Right on. You guys hear me okay? Good. Thank you, Scott. I bet many of you have never even seen Scott, man. A couple more inches and uh, that beard, he'll be ready to come as Duck Dynasty, one of the Duck Dynasty guys for Halloween. I was just sitting here thinking, man, what's up with that tiny little watch? Scott, get a bigger watch. I couldn't see it from the back of the room. All right. Love that guy. So, so glad to have him on staff with us. Uh, all right. So this is the third and final installment of our series on spiritual gifts. If you have your Bible, you can open to Romans chapter 12. We're going to walk through that passage. And uh, today I'm going to be talking about how to discover your spiritual gifts. I heard a story about a newlywed couple just got married and someone gave them, you know how people give people trips? I wish someone had done that for me. That would have been awesome. But uh, no one gave me a trip. But someone gave them a really nice trip and uh, it was supposed to be at a really nice, pretty nice uh, resort. And so they showed up and when they opened the door to their room, they just saw like this sort of small uh, long, it almost looked like just a foyer, just an entryway. They had a locked fridge and there was no bed. And they thought, oh, well, it was free. So there was a hide-a-bed. They found out there was a pull-out bed in the couch. And so they had spent the whole week being very frugal. That's what I did on my honeymoon. We were very frugal. And they went out and uh, actually got a bunch of snacks from the vending machine, like a dollar snacks. It was great. They slept on a lumpy hide-a-bed sofa. The last day before they left, they decided to open the closet in the room and it turns out it wasn't a closet at all. When they opened the door, it opened up to a sprawling suite, master suite that was full of gifts and baskets of wine and cheese and all kinds of cool stuff. And they had missed out. And the point of the story is this, is that it is possible to have been given a gift that you're unaware of. It is possible for God to have put something in your life, a door, some gifts, some space to live that you don't even know about yet because it's literally right under your nose. And that's what we're going to help you discover in this launch class on Wednesday night. We're going to be uh, diving in for a few weeks. <clears throat> uh, it, you can get the information about that class. It starts on Wednesday night. We're going to be right here over in the chapel. And I'm going to walk you through what the scriptures say about spiritual gifts very specifically. So we're really gonna drill down. We're gonna give you a spiritual gifts assessment test. So if you've never done one of those, those are fun. We're also gonna give you a personality assessment test and a questionnaire to help you to figure out where it is that God, what niche that God has for you. And that's the launch class on Wednesday night. Paul told the Corinthians this. He said, brothers and sisters, I would not have you ignorant about spiritual gifts. He said, I don't want you to be uninformed about their use and their operation and the nature of spiritual gifts. And that's what we're going to cover a little bit today. Here's why spiritual gifts are so important. Here's why they're so important. It's because God has a mission for the church. If God has a mission for the church, and what is that mission? It's discipleship. It's to go out and make, according to Matthew chapter 20, uh, eight, it's to go out and make disciples of the nation. And how do we do that? We convert them. We bring them into a saving relationship with Jesus. And then we also disciple them or teach them to obey and follow everything that Jesus has commanded. That is our mission. 
That's the mission of every church in Spokane Valley in America, in the world. And God accomplishes that mission through ministry. Ministry is how he gets it done. And the word ministry very simply means service. It very simply means service. But how does God accomplish ministry? Through the spiritual gifting of his people. And so the mission is like the blueprint to the house or the building. Ministry is the construction project itself. And then spiritual gifts are the tools in the truck that we use to build this thing, to construct it. Last uh, couple of weeks, uh, Matt framed the whole discussion by saying, if we have not love, all the spiritual gifts in the world are not going to help us very much. Spiritual gifts have to be exercised in the context of loving relationships. Last week, Kurt helped us to understand that every believer has a spiritual gift, and we need to discover and deploy them. And this week, we're going to ask the question, how then? Do I, do I figure them out? So I've got a few points for you to follow along with if you're taking notes. Here's the first way we do it. Number one, spiritual gifts are discovered in the context of spiritual service and worship. Spiritual service and worship. Here's what Paul said in Romans 12:1. He said, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. Underline that phrase, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now, notice that Paul sort of conflates, or he, what he does is he compresses the idea of worship with service. Why does he do that? Because for the Jew, that's exactly what it was. When you came down to the temple to worship God, you were actually performing a service. You were actually taking your goat or your bull and sacrificing it or having the priest do it on the altar. So it was an act of service. So from his Jewish mind, there is no distinction between our worship to God and our service, our spiritual service. And spiritual gifts are best discovered in the context of service, which is our worship. Here's why. Because when you and I suit up and get in the game, what happens is our recessive spiritual genes kick in. That's what happens when we serve. What happens is uh, these kind of uh, gifts that the Lord has placed deep into our lives, the environment of service will call them out of us. And they will surface. And there are gifts that we will discover that we have. And there are ones that we will discover that we don't have. For example, I thought when I first got saved, when I first came to faith in Jesus, I thought that my primary spiritual gift was as a miracle-working healing evangelist. That's what I thought. I thought, well, that's what the Lord has called me to do. That's what the guys on TV do. So I'm walking around throwing my coat on people, you know, and blowing on them and stuff. And I thought, man, that's what I'm supposed to do. And about the third guy pulled out of a wheelchair. In fact, I'll never forget him. It was in the country of Dominica. It was in Rousseau, Dominica. And a friend of mine was so excited. We just came out of a prayer meeting. We were like, yeah, we're going to go heal some sick people. And we came out of the prayer meeting, man. And this guy was literally coming down the street in a wheelchair. I was like, dude, this is your day. And me and Brian grabbed him by the hands, and I said, in the name of Jesus, rise up. And he rose up and fell right on his face. And I went back to the cabin, or I went back to the hotel, and I thought, you know what? I don't think I have that spiritual gift. 
because to date, that's the third person that's fallen flat. Now, in contrast, I kind of figured out by the time I was in college that I was a public speaker, like God had gifted me for that, but I didn't know, I didn't want to be a pastor. I did not want to be a pastor. I thought that all pastors did was sit around and drink coffee and, and preach sermons on the weekend. I was like, who wants to do that? And uh, boy, was I wrong about what that job entailed. So all throughout college, I, I decided that what God had called me to be was a professor of theology, Bible and theology. So I was going to graduate with my BA in biblical literature and Greek, and then I was going to go on to get my master's and my PhD, and I was going to get it by the time I was 25, and then I was just going to come back and teach in the university. Well, God had other plans for me. God took me the long route uh, so <laughs> on the way to that education because there was another kind of education he wanted to give me, which was actually very good for me. And uh, so I remember my first job right out of college was in youth ministry. And I was a, I was a kid, man. I was, I was 23 years old, and I'm sitting in my youth pastor office, and I'm sitting there drinking coffee, writing sermons, you know. And, and I remember this lady comes in. She, uh, she was a, a mom of one of my students, and she knocked on my door. I invited her in. Her name was Beverly. And she sat down, and she started telling me, crying and sobbing, and telling me about she didn't know what she was going to do with her knuckleheaded sons. And I said, well, they're in my youth group. Uh, and all of a sudden, as a kid, I was barely out of college, I heard this pastoral wisdom coming out of my mouth for this lady that was almost twice my age, and she just brightened up. And then we prayed for her knuckleheaded sons, and then I called them on the phone and made coffee appointments with them so I could sit around and drink coffee with them, you know. And uh, so, so she walked out of my office just beaming with hope. And it was at that moment right there that I discovered a spiritual gift of pastoring. I knew that God had given me the ability to shepherd people. And that's when I figured out what that gift was all about. So, but I was already a youth pastor by title. And I'm glad I didn't wait to hear my calling before I got into ministry. Now, sometimes that happens. But honestly, the service opportunity, when I presented my body and I gave myself to the service opportunity, that opportunity called out of me a gift that the Lord had planted in me. I didn't even know it was there. So the first way we discover our spiritual gifts is through spiritual acts of service. Number two, secondly, the second way we find them out is spiritual gifts are revealed to spiritual minds. Well, this is also what Paul says. Paul says spiritual gifts are revealed to spiritual minds. Look at uh, verse 2. He says, and so do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may approve, test and approve is what that word means, what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. So what is the will of God? It's good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect. And how do we test and approve what the will of God is for our life? We offer our minds to be renewed by the Holy Spirit in the Word. So what is the good, acceptable will of God? Well, in context here, I got news for you. I have heard this passage quoted a lot by people who have tried to apply it to every conceivable situation in their life. What does God want for my mates, for my marriage? What does God want for me? What does he want for me? Yeah, in the context of this passage, 
God's will that he's going to reveal to you, which is good and acceptable and pleasing and perfect, you know what it is? It's in the context of serving others. It's in the context of discovering your spiritual gifts. So when he says, if you renew your mind, if you give your body to God in service, you show up, suit up, and get in the game. If you give your mind to the word to be renewed, then you may be able to test and approve what God's will is. God's will for your service, God's will for your spiritual gifts. And how are you gonna use those spiritual gifts in service? So it's as we devote our minds to God's word. Now notice in Paul, Paul says this in verse three. He says, for, the, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think. In other words, think of yourself, have an accurate estimation of yourself. He says, but I say, think of yourself with sober judgment as God has distributed to each of you a measure of faith. Underline the phrase, the measure of faith. We'll come back to that. You see, the process of renewing our minds helps us to discover those service opportunities that God has for us and those spiritual gifts that the Lord wants to put into our lives to serve with. That's what he's talking about. And why, does renewing our, why is renewing our minds in the Word so important? Because it clears away the fog. What kind of fog do we come into the deal with? Selfish fog. I mean, I come into prayer time every single day. Every single day, a selfish, dirty, rotten sinner. I mean, I walk into that prayer meeting going, God, I need this. God, I, you, you haven't given me this. I mean, my natural disposition of my heart is to just take because I'm a human being, because I'm a person who's fallen into sin. And then it's at, in the process of renewing my mind in the word and letting the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden what he does is he takes off these selfish, self-indulgent lenses and he replaces them with God eyesight. And so I begin to see the world, I begin to see relationships, I begin to see my life the way God sees those things through his lenses and with his perspective. And I begin to open my mind to the opportunities of service and spiritual gifts around me. And why is that important? Because the process of renewing our mind keeps us from blundering ahead in incompetence. God doesn't want us to be incompetent ministers of the gospel. He wants us to be competent so that we will not do more harm than good. Okay, so that's number two. That's the second key. Number three, spiritual gifts are discovered in and for community. He goes on, verses four and five. He says, for just as in one body we have many members, and not all the members serve the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ. Underline that. We are one body in Christ. But individually, we are members. We belong to each other, but we all, just like different parts of the body, we have different functions. Raise your hand if you enjoy spending Christmas all by yourself. Anybody like that? Yeah, no, no one. Why is that? Why is that? I, I actually did this. I actually uh, spent... There were three years of my life, some of you have been, been in the military, you kind of know, you, you know about this, this isolation that you feel. But I was in college, and for the last three years of college, I could not afford to fly home to Virginia from Seattle. So I remember my mom, uh, my sweet little southern mom, 
she would send me these giant boxes in the mail. I mean, they were literally this big. I would literally have to walk back to my dorm room like this with them, get back to my dorm room, open them up, and she had filled that big old box with little gifts. And it would be like November 25th, and I would open them all. I would have Christmas morning right there on November 25th, a month early, right? But how sad, how depressing that I sat in my dorm room under my little sad Charlie Brown Christmas tree. I literally had a tiny little tree that uh, looked like Charlie Brown's tree on my desk and just have Christmas all by myself. Why is that sad? Because gifts were made to be discovered in the context of family. And they were made to be discovered in and for and celebrated and used for the family. That's the way it's supposed to be. And that's why Paul stops right here in verses four and five and says, okay, hold on. Think about the body of Christ. Think about the whole body here. We have one purpose as the body of Christ, but each individual part has different functions that they serve. And I gotta tell you, there are a few things to me spiritually that are more depressing than Lone Ranger believers. And they're everywhere. Hermits. Christian outliers who never or rarely show up, suit up, and get in the game. I want to tell you that God wants every single person in this place, every single one of you, to engage in community beyond your participation in this room right here. You may not believe it. Frankly, you might not be ready for it. But I'm telling you that it is God's will for every one of you to be in some kind of small group. We call them life groups or small groups or ministry groups. There are lots of different ways you can connect. One of the ways you can connect is through these classes that we've developed. One of the ways that you can connect with other people is to attend something like the basic New Testament. For the next 10 weeks, I will be walking a class through this study right here at the 9.30 a.m. hour. If you ain't got nothing going on, I would love to take you through the New Testament. This course will change your life. And guess what? We just started, so you haven't missed very much. And if you haven't had an opportunity to plug into a class like that, or like this one, Fearless Conversations, man, if you have just been wondering how, how do I share my faith without fear? With my coworkers, with my neighbors, I want to take you through the small group-based course called Fearless Conversations because it will, it will show you the importance of sharing your faith. It will give you the tools to share your faith, and it will also help you with the objections to answer the objections to your faith. It's called apologetics. And I would love to walk some, some more of you through that course. On Wednesday nights, we have a wonderful marriage course, which actually I think is full right now, so don't sign up for that one. Wait, wait the for the next time that one comes around. But we're starting this launch class again. We have small groups. We have small group-based courses that we offer to help you grow deeper in your relationship with the body because it's in the context of body life where you discover what God made you for. Because it's in the context of a smaller group where you sit across the table with another Christian or sit in their living room. It's in that context where conflict happens. And guess what you get to do when that happens? You get to apply the stuff we talk about in this room on Sundays. And that's where it's supposed to happen. So, spiritual gifts are discovered in and for community. And your life was not meant to be lived outside of community. For those of you who are incurable loners, honestly, my heart aches for you. My heart aches for you to discover the power, the power of the Holy Spirit 
in the community of faith. And so I hope you will take us up on that opportunity. Number four, the last thing Paul says, the last thing the Apostle Paul tells us is this. Number four, spiritual gifts are to be used generously. Look in verses six through eight. Now we get to it. Now we come to it. He says, and we have different giftings according to the grace given to us. If the gift is prophecy, well, then that that individual must use it in proportion to his faith. Now underline that, in proportion to his faith. If it is service, he must serve. If it is teaching, he must teach. If it is exhortation or encouragement, he must do that. If it's contributing, he must do it with sincerity. If it is leadership, do it with diligence. Be faithful. And if it's showing mercy, he must do so with cheerfulness. Now, notice the gift list here. I used to read this passage and screen out everything that wasn't prophecy. Because my entire theory of spiritual formation back then when I first got saved is God wants to give you a supernatural power encounter. But look at some of these gifts. Mercy. Does anyone in here have the gift of empathy? Because God could use that. How about the gift of hospitality and service? That's another one he mentions here. There are lots of different kinds of spiritual giftings. But what does Paul mean according to the measure? What does Paul mean when he says to the measure of your faith? Use your gifts to the measure of your faith. I brought a little illustration of that. This is our summer lemonade pitcher at home, okay? Now, every single day, my wife fills this pitcher to this line right here, which is the full line, okay? Anything past that is beyond full. And every day, my little kids drink this pitcher of lemonade, okay? So... What he's talking about when he uses this idea of in proportion or to the measure, that word is metron. It means metric. It's where we get the word metric. And it says, here's the line. Here's the full line. And what God wants to do is fill you up. And whatever degree he's filled you up to, that's what God wants you to do. So he says, use your gift in proportion to how much he's poured in your container. And I fear that many of us in our Christian lives I've seen people do this. God fills them up with these gifts, and I think, oh, that person is so gifted. If that person would just turn their body over to service, if they would just renew their mind, if they would just bring that gift into the body of Christ and use it, they would be a powerful minister for the Lord. But I see them doing this. You stay away from my gift. Don't you touch my gift. You know, that's, that's what I see them doing. Or I see this, I see a person who's filled to there and they're like, hey, what's going on? And they just kind of, you know, a few little drops here and there. And what Paul says is, use your gift. If it's prophecy, if God has filled you up with prophecy, pour it out and let him fill you up again. If God has filled you up with mercy, dump it on somebody. Pour it out. Whatever the measure is that the Lord has filled you with, use it in accordance or in proportion to or commensurate with the measure that the Lord has poured into your life. So spiritual gifts are to be used generously. Whatever the gift has poured into your life, he wants you to use it to its fullest measure. Use it exactly in proportion to how much he's given you, which means you don't have to do the Christian life on your own. You don't have to do the Christian life by yourself. You don't have to do that. You don't have to... Open your spiritual gifts under a sad little tree in your dorm room by yourself. You don't have to do that. You can discover 
all that God has for you, and all you got to do is open that door that you thought was a closet because behind it, there's some space for you to live in. There is some gifts that the Lord has put in that room that he wants for you and that he wants to use in the body of Christ. Amen? All right. So poor. So how do we do it? We serve others as our spiritual act of worship. We surrender our minds to God's word and the Holy Spirit. We participate in vital community and we pour out everything that the Lord has filled us with as much as we can. And then the Lord will fill us back up. I wanna help you do this. So that's why we're inviting you to our launch course. If you're available on Wednesday nights, we're gonna be running it again next January. But I wanna invite you to it because it will really help you to identify your spiritual gifts and to identify a niche for you to plug into ministry. Let's pray. We're gonna pray right now and I'm gonna invite you to make a couple of very super practical decisions. And as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, the first decision is this. It's for those of you who have not discovered your spiritual talents and your abilities and the abilities that the Lord has placed in your life, but you want to, you wanna identify them, you know they're there, you know that door is there, but you wanna open it and discover it. Will you just open your heart right now and say, God, right now I open my heart to what you want me to do. I open my heart to these spiritual acts of service that you want for me. The second response for many of you is to go beyond that. You kind of have already identified, you have an idea of what your spiritual gifts are, but you need to take the next step. You need to know how to apply them and how to deploy them. And for you, that decision is gonna be attend the course. And if that's you right now, I I want you to decide in your heart that you're gonna do it, go all three weeks and make it all the way through and figure it out and help us to, to guide you in that pathway. But thirdly, there are some people here that have been attending a while and you're not sure, you haven't been sure about this whole Jesus stuff and you come to some clarity. And sitting in this church service today, the Holy Spirit has convicted you of your sin and you wanna recommit your life to Jesus or you wanna give your heart to Christ for the first time, will you just do that right now? Say, God, it's true, I wanna join the club. I am a dirty, rotten sinner and I need to confess my sin and ask you for forgiveness and I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin, took the penalty for my sin and rose on the third day And right now in my heart, I am becoming a Christian. Right now in my heart, I am rededicating my life to you. Will you help me to discover my purpose? Thank you, Lord, for every person who prayed any one of those prayers. I just pray by your Holy Spirit that you would meet them this morning, that they would sense you present because you're the greatest gift we could ever receive, your presence and that you would help them, God, to to follow through on those commitments. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, awesome. Well, we're gonna take the offering this morning. I I love the synth, man. I feel like I'm floating in heaven. That's kind of a precursor to heaven is for real. You know, it's coming next week. So that's gonna be an awesome series. We're really looking forward to that. I hope you guys show up for that. Hey, listen, before we take the offering this morning, 
I need to let you guys know that uh, we're about 26,000 bucks behind for the month, which is very, very unusual for us in October. So I just wanna let you know, man, if this is your church, if this is the place where you come and the Lord fills your container and the Lord fills you up with his word and his presence and he cares for you and meets your needs, I wanna encourage you to, those of you who are giving, keep giving what you're giving, but those of you who have never tried it before, trust me when I tell you, when you empty the vessel, when you empty your wallet, no, when you, when you give to the Lord, you cannot imagine when you open that door, what the Lord has waiting for you. It's amazing. It's an, it's an amazing life, the life of generosity. So I wanna encourage you to do that today. But we're gonna worship while we give, and that is perfectly appropriate because giving is an act of worship. So let's sing, let's worship, I'll be right back. Boy, a truer, truer line has never been said. Our God is, as to his nature, love and the best gift of the spirit you could ever receive is the spirit himself so i want to encourage you as you go this week as you go this week open that door see all that god has for you and begin to commune with the holy spirit and ask him how lord how have you gifted my life how do you want to use me in the body of christ to build it up and build the kingdom so if you made a decision for christ please pick up one of these uh, handy new believer first steps packets they're back there on the table. We want you to pick one up, attend the First Steps course. You'll get a free book along with that. Also, we'll have some people. If you need prayer, come on down to the front. Don't go that way. Come this way. We want to pray for you and minister to you. If you want to take communion, it's right there on the sides. God bless you guys. Have a great week, and we'll see you in class, right? All right. You said it.